Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, and freedom, and everything else in between, with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. Hello, hello, everybody. This is Paul LaFavor, and this is the Pinelander Podcast. Today is Friday, January 21st, 2022. I hope everyone's New Year is going well. Uh, today, we have a special guest. We have another blacksmith author, Chris Imperial. He is the author of the book, Land Navigation from Start to Finish. And so this is a podcast we've been excited about uh, doing for the last couple of months. Uh, it's a book that uh, has been waiting a long time to get out there, and it's uh, making a lot of headway, I'm happy to say, helping a lot of guys out as they go through the qualification course. So I just want to welcome Yeah, Chris. hey, Chris, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome having you here. I mean, I don't know when we thought about, you know, getting this land navigation material of yours published and, and out to the public, but it has been a long road. But I tell you what, I'm I'm really glad we're finally here because uh, that book is smoking hot off the shelves right now. Well, I mean, uh, you guys are telling me it's selling, and uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I mean, you, um, you know, I think what, what – what really excited us about your book was just the way that you teach the material. Um, there's no shortage of you know folks out there that teach land nav, and you've been doing it for quite a while. But I think what Paul and I really liked about what you had was really just your delivery method. And uh, one of the things I would you know I'm kind of curious about because you've been doing this for quite a while is have you noticed over the years having to sort of um, change how you were teaching land nav no it's you know if you follow the you know kiss principle keep it keep it simple stupid um it works and uh, you know land navigation is a basic skill and it needs to be taught basically and i think without insulting people it, if you just go through the flow it, it makes sense to them and i you know, there was times that NCOs tried to teach me land navigation, and it was just so overwhelming that I, I wasn't getting it at all. And then finally, one NCO teaches me, you know, a real simple method, not, you know, talking down to me, and the light comes on. And so I'm basically just doing what he did and just showing, you know, others how to do it. And when you do show them, they're like, holy cow, I wish somebody would have told me that. Well, I know just, I mean, from editing the book, um, <laughs> and I thought I knew quite a bit about Land Nav, but just from editing the book, I mean, um, I learned a lot of, that I did not know just about the map sheet alone, mm -hmm. which is really crucial stuff. Yeah, it is, believe it or not. Uh, I didn't either. You know, when I was in the 82nd as a team leader uh, and even as a squad leader, you're not expected to know those things. But when you come over to SF, you're that quiet professional, and you do need to know those things. And I remember the first time I went to go order a map. And so where do I go? I go down to the S2, and that dude makes me look like an idiot, you know? And that idiot didn't know anything either, I find out. But, you know, the point is, I'm thinking to myself, you know, why is me a, a senior staff sergeant? Why am I looking like an idiot? Yeah. You know, and I'm looking like an idiot because... I don't know what that is. And, and, and like everything else, the basics are what yeah. makes you the professional. Yeah, that's what I found in your uh, book is uh, your approach is, uh, it seems like you wanted to write it to kind of get the easiest approach out there, trying to make something a little more manageable. Yeah, you know. uh, because most people don't know what it is. Yeah. And, you know, just show people what's out there 
and then you know they can take that information and run with F, it. Yeah, the field manual is huge. Oh yeah, and that so thing is confusing as all hey. Yeah, if you if you know nothing and you just uh, you know you're you're going to be taking a SAR exam. Well, we take and we all and you know how much we all love reading field manuals. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, this is not even a fun read. No, yeah. it's it's not. And you know, the book is literally what three hundred and some pages or whatever yeah. it is, and you know, and they have things in there like three pages on contour lines. Yeah. Oh, dang, you and I can, you know, explain to a private what a contour line is in about 10 seconds. Yeah. You know, why does it take three or four pages to do exactly. that? Exactly. I mean, it's a great manual. I mean, make no mistake. Uh, if you if there's something you need to know about land nav, I'm not, try, I'm not trying to take anything away no, from the FM, no. FM, but it's just not where you want to go. Well, you know, it's know your audience. You know? I think you would rather ask like 10 friends a question before you open up that manual. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, it's just, yeah. it's that, it's just that kind of, yeah. you know, read. Yeah. I, I think what it is, is, you know, somebody is trying to show that they're smarter than you, you know, that oh, there's kind no of doubt. Thing. Yeah. There's so, no doubt. Yeah. So. That's why it was good to see that. Uh, I knew, like I was saying to begin with, it's a long time in coming and uh, get something that's readable, something from an SF guy's perspective. Uh, as someone that who's taught land navigation, mm-hmm. and that's what's awesome about your book is it's it's uh, written from an instructor perspective. Yeah, I I hope so. Yeah, you know, and and, and I guess it's turning out to be that way. But yeah, yeah people are are uh, receptive to it, and um, that's well, good. Well, how many? You know, listen, we 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 probably turn back a lot of quality out of the Q course um, just because of land nav, because guys are not really where they need to be as far as land nav. Yeah. But otherwise, if they had some great instruction, if they if they were prepared a little better, you know, we're, we're probably throwing away a lot of talent back out to the pool, if you will. Yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, Paul and I were talking about that earlier. Uh, there were some times that I sat on land nav points out there, and I'm, yeah. I'm watching these candidates coming through. And you'll hear them, you yeah. know, you don't know it's them, but you hear down in the draw down there crashing around and you're hearing them cussing and, you know, the whole nine yards and everything. And then finally when they come up, this candidate comes up and they're like, you're the hardest point I've, you know, blah, blah, blah. I've been looking for four hours. And I'm thinking to myself, there's a hilltop literally 100 meters behind me. Why didn't you just come around that, that drainage yeah. that you've been sitting in? Well, I know the answer. The answer is they went straight line distance to that point, you know, to me. And so they're getting the draw monsters in there and it's getting them and they need to know, don't go in there, go around this thing. And, but you know, they're afraid to do that. They'll walk the roads, they'll parallel the roads. They just don't have the confidence to be out there doing land nav on their own. Well, and it, and, and I, and you, you bring up, an important point, and that is not all land nav courses are equal. You're right. <laughs> so I remember, you know, pretty much every course, every school that I went through while I was on active duty has some sort of land nav requirement, whether it was BNOC, ANOC, uh, Ranger School, you name it. Um, they want to see if you can get from point A to point B. But that is not the type of land nav courses that you start getting into when you start, like, let's say, volunteering for SF or some other type of skill set. They're, they're looking for some kind of advanced yeah. ability. Yeah, They want to know if you can kind of think on your feet, if you can understand terrain, if you can negotiate that, if you can route plan. They're not necessarily worrying about whether or not you can plot and, and walk a, an azimuth. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, like in ranger school. That there's a trail. We call it the Ho Chi Minh Trail. You know, there's a trail from your point to the next point. And, yeah. and if you can see it, you're, you're golden. Uh, and you're right. They're in uh, selection for SF. They're looking for somebody who knows how to go. Because you've got a bunch of gorillas behind you. You'll lose, you know, all of the confidence that you have gained by teaching them things. You'll lose it in a heartbeat if you start, you know, wandering off and, you know, and they're following you and, and they realize real quick, this guy has no clue what he's doing out here. I'm glad you brought that point up, too, because uh, the book is also a good refresher for the SF guy. You know, most SF guys, they, uh, 
today, just to pick on the the, uh, uh, the generation of today, they're they're tech savvy, and so they'll have uh, their GPS running. But uh, this is a very perishable skill, and uh, so uh, you know I've I've got uh, I know you have a lot of good stories, and I know you I hope you'll share a couple. But if uh, you're lost, you know, and you've got G's behind you, you know that doesn't look good. No, and no. so you have to you have to be ready for that uh, GPS. You have to be ready for that thing to break and to fall back on these skills. Uh, you know, the old school skills. Yeah. You know, especially this day and age, you see a lot of guys coming in. They're really good with getting a ten-digit grid. What? Uh, but if it, they, you don't have these basic skills, then you're you're toast. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. that's that's really what these younger guys um, they have a little tougher time than I think we did because uh, in our day, um, you know, before GPS really, I mean, it was the stubby pencil and protractor. Um, And then when the technology came along, we were like, whoa, this stuff is cool. Yeah. But now... Something to fall back on, though. Yeah, but now it's like these guys are raised up high tech. That's the way they learn. And really having to go back and... And understand the stubby pencil and protractor because yeah. you know that tech might fail on you. You know that's yeah, kind of a, it's kind of a reverse yeah. method that, that we taught that, yeah. that we were taught. And you know even if if you're doing a FID in Africa, you know how many African soldiers have a GPS? You know yeah. the the platoon leader maybe maybe might have one, but the rest of the the, the soldiers you're teaching those guys they have yeah. you know bush smarts. And you're showing them how to put their bush smarts, you know, to a map and get from point A to point B. And they pick it up super fast. Yeah. And if you're not confident in those skills, it's going to show. And you're right. That yeah. GPS should tell you what you already know. It, that GPS should not be telling you anything new. Yeah. It should tell you exactly what you already know because you saw it on the map at this point. Yeah. And in, in our uh, technologically dependent, uh, you know, society now... Mm-hmm. Uh, how more important is this? Is the skill? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it is. Uh, I, when I, it often fails. I said in the book, uh, I was doing a uh, contract, and uh, so I had an ODA, and I'm you know back there evaluating them, and uh, they're using the one who was leading the way, uh, the point man. He's using his phone, yeah, as, as a GPS, and he's using the Mill GPS uh, uh, app, <clears throat> which is a great app. But the point is, it's not updating fast enough. And so we're walking up and down this same hill. And the role players who were acting as guerrillas, they were getting a serious case, the ass over this. And it got to the point that they said no more. And they stopped. And again, whatever rapport that that team, that ODA, had gained, they lost it all right there just because somebody didn't bring his compass. Yeah. You know, and, and they were fine with that. The ODA was totally fine. When I asked them, I said, where's your compass? Oh, we don't use a compass. Yeah. Well, maybe in Iraq and Afghanistan, you don't use a compass. But guess what? You better be using a compass here. And kind they of, didn't. Yeah, kind of a big deal if uh, you're a Green Beret. Exactly. You need to know how to use a map. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, just something it, like that. I, don't, I mean, I love that I don't use a compass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah. almost a little yeah. scary. But yeah. I think that I think that shows the fact that you know, in the U.S., we become so dependent upon technology that, you know, you really probably don't need a compass. But yeah. there's places you're going to go that you need the compass. Well, and again, I mean, if if Uncle Sam is asking you as an SF individual to go out and teach a third world country, you know, basic military skills, land yeah. navigation and, and other basic skills is what you need to know. And if you're not confident in those basic skills then you're not a professional anymore. Now yeah. you're just, you're no different than any other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We got, so you got the two parts, at least for, from our community. And that's number one, uh, you want to be able to get to the community. Your book's going to help do that. It's going to teach you what you need to know um, as far as getting out there and, and being successful with the star uh, land navigation course. But the other, I think the other beautiful thing about uh, your book, uh, Chris, is the fact that uh, if you get sent to another country and you're having to teach this, now that's a yeah. whole different ball game. Yeah. Okay, and I think what your book does is um, really sets out um, a really good POI, if you will, on how to teach this subject and, and, and makes it really simple. Well, and 
that was part of it. You know, when you and I were talking about it, that was part of it. You know, you write this book. Okay, it helped me get through the star exam. Yeah. But now it's it's helping me do a lesson plan. Because how you know how long did it take us? You know, think back when you were doing it. You know, the team sergeant says, "Okay, hey, you're going to teach this lesson," and you're like, oh, "Okay, I can teach that in a heartbeat." But I, I still got to write the lesson plan for yes. this thing. And sometimes the lesson plan took longer to write than it did to teach the darn skill. <laughs> so, you know, if you can, you know, give the new SF guy a lesson plan yeah. that help him out, that that just makes him better at it. Yeah. So now he can just take what he sees, improve on it, know his customer, and, and go with yeah. it. So hopefully it works. That's kind of why you wanted to write the book to begin with. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah. you know, again, once you become part of the regiment, you're part of the regiment. You know, and even though I'm far removed from the regiment, you still feel like you have ownership to it. And you got if some you, skin in the game. Yeah, and yeah, if you absolutely. and if you see somebody is not doing something what you think maybe might be yeah. the right thing, then you know, you either you tell him he's doing yeah. wrong. Or shut the heck up. Yeah. You know? That's what I like about uh, Blacksmith Publishing. Just to kind of toot our own horn here for a second. And, you know, we're all Blacksmith people. Is uh, uh, It's like I always ask, why wasn't that book out there yet? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know any of other books like yours that's out there. And uh, so we're not recreating the wheel. We're simplifying something that everybody needs to know. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so that's what's awesome about the book. Well, I mean, you you uh, you work out there. Uh, you know, you you help Marine Special Operations Command too, Chris. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, land navigation is land navigation. It doesn't matter if you're in the Marine Corps or the Army. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, exactly. Um, and again, I th- I think like, you know, you had the generations when I came in. You had I had the Vietnam generations that was you know in front of me, and they were showing me things. And then when they those guys leave, they're gone. You know, and and if you don't take that skill and pass it on to the next guy, you're going to yeah. lose it somewhere. And, um, yeah, so hopefully this book will do that and others yeah. can learn from it. And, uh, again, it's a perishable skill, but it's like any other skill. Yeah. you know? you got to be good in the basics. Well, I think it's timely for a couple of reasons, and I think you and I, you know, talked about this too, Chris, and that is the fact that, you know, our society is just a little different than what it was even 40, 50 years ago. Um, yeah, we become we, we are becoming yeah. more and more urban by the year. Mm-hmm. It is harder to find guys that have that sort of, you know, out in the country upbringing. I mean, you run into them still, but not as much as we used to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and like you said, in the urban environment, I mean, that's a lot of the battlefield is in the urban environment. But you have to have an understanding of how it works in a, you know not urban environment so you can put that into the urban i've had so many sf guys and and other ogas and stuff ask me how do you find your way in an urban environment it's different but it's not any different really than it is you know being out in the woods it's still the basic i'm taking a map i'm taking a compass i still got a heading i'm still doing a pace count of some sort i'm just doing it in an urban environment but I think it's just, it's like when you put guys out in the dark, all of a sudden it's different. It's not different. It's just dark. Who cares? You know, in a lot of ways, I like being in the dark for the simple fact is you can't see what's out there. So you just drive on. Well, they say everyone gets a little better with the compass once the sun goes down, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Hey, so uh, you've, uh, we talked about, you know, why you wrote it, but uh, also, like, how long have you been teaching this? Maybe we can let everybody know that. Yeah, give us some of the stories. Yeah. What's your background, Chris? Okay, so uh, I uh, joined 1980, and uh, I was what they called an SF baby. Uh, so back then, I guess you can compare it to an x-ray. Uh, but there wasn't many of us that went through like that. And uh, it made me a commo guy, and that's not what I wanted to be. And so uh, I was in second phase, knee deep into it. And I was like, this ain't for me. And uh, I went to the cadre and I said, this is not for me. I wanted to be a heavy weapons guy. So, uh, you know, I got the, you're a piece of garbage, ah, all that biz. And I got sent to the 82nd. <laughs> but you know what? It was probably the best thing that happened to me. Mm. 
because I hadn't been in the 82nd more than literally two weeks, and I already had a summary article 15. <laughs> and so, but they tightened up my shot group on that, and I was in an infantry battalion. And so I was a commo man uh, in a rifle company, and uh, I learned basic soldier skills, and, which was lacking uh, on my end. And so I had NCOs that actually took me under the wing and showed me exactly what I needed to do. So, you know, next thing you know, now I become an infantryman, I become squad leader, platoon sergeant, platoon leader, do all that. And then after Desert Storm, I told myself, you know what, I've had enough of this light infantry stuff. It's time to go back. And so I went back to SF and uh, I was a senior E6, went through the Q course as a weapons guy, and then... Uh, I volunteered for third group. I think I was probably the only guy who ever volunteered for third group. Now, that's, that's like, what, 91? <laughs> it wasn't yeah. even a group yet. Uh, uh, 90, 91? What year was that? Group? I showed up there 91. Uh, I think 91. Yeah, I think yeah. I showed up in September of 91. We weren't even a group yet. Um, they sent me to third battalion. Mm. And so I was in third battalion. Uh, at the time, we called it 386. And uh, I was there. It was the junior weapons on there uh, but but you finally got your weapons MOS. i did i finally it took me ten and a half years to get there but i finally yes. got to it so you know i did that and uh i went to africa all the time which was good because the reason why i wanted to be in africa was my aunt uh actually went to africa a ton, she worked there she was in sierra leone nigeria um she actually worked uh, for a catholic organization lay mission helpers and so uh I had, as a youngster, I had Catholic priests, African Catholic priests coming to the house because I lived right next to Disneyland. And so uh, Catholic Church, the hub is Los Angeles. So they would come down, uh, they would eat at the house, and then we'd go to Disneyland. If I hadn't gone to Disneyland 40 times in one year, that was a short year for me. Uh, so I was used to Africans left and right. Didn't bother me whatsoever. So third group was a good fit for me. And then ultimately, uh, I contacted those priests again when I was in Africa, and I used them as a network. And so I knew a lot was going on in the countries that wow. I was working in. So we did everything from Central Africa Republic all the way down to Zimbabwe. Wow. And I loved it. I loved it. I would have paid Uncle Sam to do the things that I was doing. So yeah. that's pretty much what I did. Well, yeah. it, 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 so we actually have... Well, quite a bit in common. Um, I was um, I was born in California. I spent a lot of time in Los Angeles. So I, I understand what you were talking about going to Disneyland all the time because anytime anyone visited us, guess oh, what? Heck yeah. that, that's just where you had to take yep. them. Yep. Um, so I do remember that. Uh, I was in Torrance. Okay, um, I, I so, grew up in Anaheim. Yeah, so we were we were we were kind of neighbors. Uh, we both spent time in third group uh, around the same time. Um, but. The real question I had, and, and because there was a big difference between sort of what we called SF babies and the guys that were coming over from the combat arms, light infantry, what have you, is do you, you know, having spent time in the 82nd, um, did that make you a better SF guy? Or, or, or do you think, I mean, you know, how did, how did that equate to what you were bringing to SF once you finally decided to come back and, and take a swing back at it? Oh, I agree. It definitely made me a better uh, NCO, for sure. You know, and you saw it like when you went to PLDC, like I think they call it the Warriors course now. You know, the first thing that they, if, if there's like a marching test or something, who do they ask? They ask the, the infantry NCOs because they know how to do it, you know. Um, Not going to ask the SF guys. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, well, I, that was always, yeah, I mean, that was always comical anytime yeah, they got us yeah. out there and tried marching yeah. us around. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, and I have a story about that at Ranger School. But anyways, uh, I think the light infantry, at least in my day, I think the light infantry made you a much better soldier. Uh, you, you were you were strong in all the skills, yeah. you know, and you had sergeant's time and you had your privates. And, you know, you were responsible for that private. You know, I remember getting chewed out by my platoon sergeant while I was on leave. And my platoon sergeant is chewing me out over something that my private did, and I'm on leave. But because he's my private, I'm responsible for that guy. And, you know, so you, you take, and you laugh at that today, but, you know, that was the mentality yeah. that you were responsible for that guy, which makes you a better NCO because when you get over, and now your team is your family. 
that that's that private. And if you had an SF baby come in, you're going to take them under your wing and show him what needs to be done because there's only, you know, there's supposed to be 12 of us and there never is 12 of you. So every man has to pull his weight. If he's not pulling his weight, he's not much of, he's not worth it to you, you know? See, and if he's not pulling his weight, whose fault is that? It's your fault that he's not pulling his weight. So again, I think it made me a way better soldier when I came back the second time and uh, I knew what professional looked like and you didn't have to tell me. I knew what it looked like because I had enough NCOs to show me. How much, um, how much land nav were you doing as a young NCO in the 82nd versus the amount of land nav you're doing as a young NCO on an SF team? Um, well, I, I think it was probably the same, but in the light infantry, you as a team leader, you're the one who's leading either the platoon, you're the guy up front, you know, and not only are you leading him, leading them, you've got a fire team that's behind you. In SF, I'm just teaching people how to do land nav. So, you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot of implied tasks going on here. It was just, hey, show this guy land navigation. Okay, got it. You know, we're in the light infantry. You're leading your company, your rifle company, your rifle platoon to a target and the land nav is an assumed task. It's just, I got to get to the point. And when we get to the point, then we're going to kill the bad guy. You know, where in SF, it's the other way around. The task is to teach land nav, not to get to the target. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's a big difference is because it's really, at least my experience was it was more fit. It was more training land nav. Exactly. Whereas yeah. where, when I was in the light infantry, I mean, everywhere we went, we were, you know, we were land nav in there. Yeah, you're walking everywhere, and everybody knew land nav. You, well, had, you had to. Yeah, you had to, yeah. Right. And, in, in, and you were always throwing that new guy up front. Exactly. Know? I mean, you were always putting him under the gun. I mean, everybody kind of knew it, and as soon as you yeah. knew it, you kind of backed out, and there was always a new private that you were going to throw up there and, mm -hmm. and give him the compass. Yeah, and how many times was it every time you stopped and took a knee that you as the team leader walked back with your map to the private and go, hey, this is where we are. We're right here. Next rally point is over there. The past rally point's back there. If something happens, you know, blah, 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 blah. You're saying that all the time to yeah. where in SF, you, you are doing those things, but it's not all together. Because yeah. of your infantry background, Chris, I mean, did that really kind of, did that have an effect on how you taught land nav? Yeah. Yeah, it did. It was uh, no nonsense, just straight, you know, keep it simple. This is what you need to know. Not a lot of fluff to it. Um, I don't need to explain a lot of things to you. I'll tell you what you need to know. And that's really what you need to know. Like the things on the map. Does a private really need to understand all of the things that are in the legend and uh, how to order maps? No, not really. Not as a private. But as he gets more senior, I am going to show him those things. Because why? I'm going to tell him as his NCO, hey, go order us some maps. And he needs to understand that. But I'm not going to tell that to a private. I might tell that to an E4 or something like that, you know. I look at it like a little different. Of course, now I'm, I'm a, you know, as a senior NCO or, you know, retired now. But I think, you know, once you become like an E6 or an E7, I mean, you had better understand that map. Exactly. I mean, you know, the fear, I think, and, and, and what's really neat about your book is, you know, at some time or another, someone's going to come up and ask you, you know, what, what's this number here? What is this over here? Yeah. You know, why yeah. is this on the map? Because um, a lot of times, you know, we, we always like to cut our maps down, you know, less paper, right? Yeah. We can fold them up. They're, they're easier to use. But, you know, it, God forbid if that private foreigner, somebody comes up and says, uh, hey, Sergeant, you know, what's this right here? Exactly. You know. It's embarrassing if you don't know what that is. Yeah, and it's part of being a professional. You know, you as a, at least, you know, when I was in, we were quiet professionals. That's exactly, in, when you went through the Q course, they let you know that's how it was going to be. You were a quiet professional. And again, a professional knows everything about everything. And, you know, in real life, you may not know everything, but you need to know enough. And uh, that information is put on the map for a reason. Um, and you need to know why it's there. So when you're when you're slicing and dicing on that thing, 
I mean, understand what you're cutting away. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you know, do I really need this or not? Yeah. If it's a field map, there are a lot of things on the, the, the margins that I don't need because it's my field map. But on the other hand, when I'm sitting in isolation, I need to know what those things are. They're on the map because someone is going to ask me, my detachment commander, or someone's going to ask me, hey, do you have an adjoining map sheet? If I don't even know what the adjoining map sheet is, I look pretty stupid in front of the battalion commander or whoever, and, and I don't look like a professional anymore. Or you're smart enough to, if you're going to cut that thing off, um, glue it or glue tape it, it the to the back yeah, of the exactly, map. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Glue it on the back. Yep. Hey, what do you and, think's the most... Um, I mean, when you're when you're looking through the land nav subjects, what do you think is like the most go to favorite part of that uh, topic that you're teaching, or maybe the most valuable for these guys? I mean, it, it, it's all valuable. You need to yeah, know all of it. Yeah. But I mean, what do you think is like the most useful for most of these guys that are that are getting that are getting your book, Chris? Um, I would say um, heading or azimuth, pace count. And then route selection, I think in that order, because anyone can sit at a classroom with and get an eight-digit grid, plot it on a map, you know, draw a line from point A to point B. Anyone can do that. You just need to show them. But if you totally understand how to, you know, out in the bush, get your heading and your pace count and your route selection, you'll be golden, you know, and you'll look like a superstar. Out there, I can't tell you how many times I've seen on the Marine side or I see on the SF side, you see these superstars come into your point, you know, they're tired, but they are moving it, you know, they're jobbing it from point A to point B, and they're at your point finished three, four, five hours early, you know, and they're just kicking back. And yeah. they may not even be that great at land nav, but because they've got the basics under control, they're looking like a superstar. I'm glad you said that too. Is uh, something that uh, I think that any of our books do uh, in the military realm is w it's brilliance in the basics. Mm -hmm. So it's not uh, like they, as they say in other fields, there's no such thing as advanced shooting skills, just perfect execution of the fundamentals under stress. Exactly. There's not advanced land nav. It's just basic skills uh, when you're under duress, a little tired, and you. You just do the basics really well. And that's really, I think, what SF does. Mm -hmm. We just do the basics really, really well. And then we're in austere environments with some, uh, you know, we've got some educational hurdles we have to, uh, you know, uh, overcome. But that's really it. It's just the basics. That's what's good about your book, too. Yeah, I mean, battle drill number one is battle drill number one, you know. And if you can do it. Who, who does it fastest is going to be the winner in this yeah. game, you know? Exactly. And so you're, you're right. If I know the basics and I'm super strong in the basics, I am going to look like a superstar. I'm going to look very professional to anybody because yeah. why? I got the basics down. Every team, and I'm, I'm sure you guys could probably attest to this too, uh, the teams that I, were, I was privileged to serve on, the ODAs, we just did the basics well. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, except for one team, and I won't mention them, but... <laughs> We were sky trash, and uh, as a Halo team, all we did was the infill. Yeah. But uh, that's a whole other story. Yeah. But the other rucksack teams that I was on was I loved the rucksack teams, and and we just practiced the basic stuff. Yeah. And when it came time for us to go to the show, well, they put us in uh, you know the the biggest harm's way mm -hmm. because we knew the basics well. We weren't always practicing the infill. Anyway, my whole point is. Uh, if we take that same approach to land nav, and, and and that's what you did, is you said, hey, look, here's all the extraneous junk. I just kind of, I took it to task to kind of cut it out for you. Mm -hmm. And here's the stuff you really need. And uh, sometimes a new guy doesn't really, you know, he'll miss the, the forest for the trees. And so we've already cut out the forest. Yeah. No, I, think, I think yeah. that is why your book is doing yeah. so well. I think that's, the reason why the reviews are so, yeah. are so high too is because, you know, you've taken a subject that, that you like, you know, we all know you can write 20, 25, 30, 40 pages about anything at all, but you just said, Hey, this is what you need to know. This is the basic. This is how you master that basic. 
and and you just you just you know you just drive it home. There, there's yeah. no there's no crazy fluff. You know, yeah. it's just like here here it is. If you if you have a a, a mastery of this right here, you're going to be successful. I mean, the book's not big. What what is that thing? 100, 120 pages or something? I mean, it's yeah, not. I think so. Yeah. It is not a yeah. big book, yeah. but it's got everything that you need to yeah. go out there and look like a superstar. Well, that's good. I, and I hope so. And, you know, I'd like to hear from people to go, hey, that, you know, made a difference for me. Uh, to yeah. this point, I haven't heard that yet, but, you know. Well, I mean, it hasn't, I mean, how long have we had it out? I mean, it hasn't been long at all. Yeah, September, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. we, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, we keep, uh, people are discovering it still. And, uh, and as they discover it, of course, they're ordering the book. And, and, but every store that we have put your book on there, um, you know, the reorders are coming. So cool. obviously people are looking at that book and uh, the word's getting, getting out there. Um, give us a good land nav story, Chris. Yeah, story time. Come on. All right, let's see. Um, Everybody loves a good land nav story. Yeah. All right, so here's a good one. So... <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, there it was. Yeah, yeah, no lie. Uh, so I was going through um, back in '82. So I'm going through. It wasn't called the Star, but it was you know yeah. Land Nav back then. And uh, I had a my point. I had route selection. I thought my stuff was wired, and so uh, off I go. It's O Dark Thirty, and off I go. I'm going to move towards. A road, and then I'm going to handrail that road. Easy. Well, I got to the road, no problem. I got exactly where I needed to be, and everything was good. First mistake I made at that point was I saw the road, and it was a, a main road, main fire break. And I think it's still out there at McCall. Um, anyways, I put my compass away, and off I went, parallel in this road. And, of course, you know the rules. You're supposed to stay 50 meters off to the side, if I was probably five feet from that road, you know, I'd be surprised. But anyways, unbeknownst to me, there was a Y in the road, but not on the map. And so I just drifted to the right with that road, what I thought was my road. If I would have had my compass out, I'd have seen it, but uh, I didn't. And off I went. And then I went the distance that I should have gone, which was literally like two kilometers parallel on that road and I got to where I thought I should be pace count and it wasn't looking like it and so I basically dicked the dog for like two hours until you you get down there and stuff just doesn't (laughs) look right yeah exactly so you know it's like a triangle or a three-legged chair you know if if I don't have my heading a pace count and my good route selection I'm going to fail if I don't have one of those three. And that's exactly what I did. I put my compass away. That was the mistake that I made. And so I tell everybody now when I'm teaching this stuff, especially when we get into handrail, do not put your compass away. Keep that compass out. Keep checking it uh, because you will dick the dog out. And you don't have time to, to recover from that. You know, whatever the requirement is out there, how many points you need to find, you don't have enough time to be, you know, messing it up. Yeah. Now I'm glad, uh, that's funny. You should say that is, uh, that's what I was, I knew you were going to say something that would regale us about something about the compass and, uh, all the times that I screwed up, uh, I put my compass away. Oh yeah. That's for the first nine point. times that's out of 10. Yeah. It's just like that. It's, uh, and so my story, if I sneak one in here, I know this is not my book, but, uh, similar type of situation. Uh, I have a, uh, I put the compass away. I walk a mile uh, the wrong way. I go down uh, a spur, and I'm staying on the side of a river. And then I realize, you know, uh, that I have to go back up the ridge another mile. Yeah. So that's how I walked 42 miles uh, instead of 40. But I did the same type of thing. So only that time I had a silver compass. But, you know, hey, look, you put the compass away, you're stupid. Yeah. You know, compass is out, and it's just like, uh, it just gives you, you know, um, kind of like when you're walking at night. Yeah, exactly. You know, you've got a little curb feeler. Yeah. It's just right to just kind of check status so you yeah. don't daydream, and then the one thing looks like the other, and then, then you're gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I like to say, comp- uh, you know, land nav is like um, 
taking in a lot of information. And if you're relying on one source of information, you're, you're not going to have a yeah. good time. Yeah, you'll fail at it. You, you really need to be trying to take in and reconfirming what you think you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, you know, I call it a terrain countdown or your checklist. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, how many times, even though we stop and look at our map, I don't know about you, but I, I can't chew bubble gum in, in a talk at the same time kind of thing. So, you know, me looking at my map, I always had to stop, get my light out. and It, it, it was yeah. just a, a time killer. Oh, yeah. And so where that terrain countdown, if I had it written out kind of big, I could look at it real quick and it was in bite-sized pieces and I could move quickly with that. I'm still not ignoring my map because I'm still looking at it. But the point is, I got that terrain count down there, and it's in bite-sized pieces. So, you know, three, four hundred meters, I can afford to ruin three, four hundred meters because I can recover from yeah. that fast. But hey, hey, Chris, for those not familiar with that, what what is that? I mean, that, that's a you know, you write about it in a book, but for those that are like first time heard, you know, the terrain countdown or or what you're referring to. So it's your route selection, and you you put it in bite-sized pieces. So let's say that. Um, I'm at point A and I'm going to go two kilometers. And so I look at how to get there. Well, sometimes, you know, from point to point is not the fastest way because there might be a couple drainages or something in there. So I'm going to skirt all that. So I'm going to measure distances out and I'm going to have uh, this like in bite-sized pieces, like I say. And so it might be for the first 300 meters, I might be on a heading of X and I will keep a drainage to my right. And then when I get to this road intersection, I'm going to do a sharp right and do another on another heading. So that gives me the confidence as I'm moving through. I mean, if you're trying to do three, four, five, you know, kilometers on one heading, you're going to fail. Yeah. It's, yeah, too, with, it's too with, much With distance. no understanding of any of the terrain. That exactly. You're yeah. <laughs> and you see that with the, you know, on the star exam. That candidate comes in, he's totally shredded up, you know, and he went point to point. That's exactly what he did. And he went, you know, four kilometers yeah. on one heading and he's not sure. And then when you get to SUT, if you make, you know, the, uh, the star exam and when you get to SUT and the, and the instructor comes up to you and goes, you know, Ranger or whatever, where are you? You're not, a, you're not showing confidence whatsoever yeah. if you have no clue where you are. Yeah, I mean, at any any given time, I mean, that instructor can come up and, you know, you're supposed to be within, what, like 200 meters or yeah, something like that? a pine needle. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, I mean, you got to be on your game. I exactly. mean, that yeah. joker's going to come up and he's going to probably ask you when, when he knows you're, yeah. you know, most yeah. susceptible to not knowing where you're at. Well, exactly. In ranger school, they, they got me. I was, P, I was APL one time. And, uh, you know, like everything else, it, it turns into a soup sandwich out there. And so there we are. The RI comes up to me and he asks me, you know, hey, Ranger, where are you? And I think he literally thought that he was going to get me on that one. But I had been keeping a good pace count yeah. and I knew my heading. And so all I did was open my map up. I threw my protractor down. Uh, I, I counted off my pace speeds. I measured the distance off on the map. I had a general idea where I was. I started looking around and I go, I'm right here. And he goes... You're, you're really close. And so, you know, I was within 200 meters. Um, but again, it's because I had the other things going on. I had the heading. I had my uh, pace count. I knew where I was going. So. Yeah. Hey, Chris, um, besides the military, I mean, you teach land nav to a variety of different organizations. Um, well, what do you would say the, the applicability? I mean, obviously, the... the you know, the land nav book is, is geared towards the military community. But, I mean, it doesn't matter, does it? I mean, if you're uh, Border Patrol or if you're law enforcement or any variety of, of uh, organizations of people out there, I mean, did, did you think the book is, you know, just as relevant? Yeah, I, th I think so. Um, you know, teaching it to other organizations, OGAs and, and others, they were asking me to teach it from a uh, personal recovery side. So something has happened bad to them and now they're trying to get their way back. And so they needed to understand how to do it basically because they probably lost all their kit. So it, it does have, um, it is important. 
You know, because, uh, you know, when you find yourself in the soup sandwich, the only person who's going to get you out of it is you. And when I was doing personal recovery, they always tell you the weakest link is the isolated person. And you're, you're the weak link because they don't know who you are. That's why that isolated person is the weak link. But if the isolated person knows how to do basic skills, nine times out of ten, he'll probably recover himself. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I don't watch TV as much as I probably used to, but I, I do recall a, a couple of the shows now that are really kind of popular. One of them is, uh, it's, I mean, they're kind of like survival shows. Yeah. Um, one in particular, and I can't remember the name of it, and you know, which is horrible, but it's one of those like um, after the fact. So they take someone who's, you know, got themselves into a really bad bind, and, and then they went through the things that they did right and wrong, um, and on their survival, mm-hmm. some of these people were, I mean, I'll be honest with you, they're lucky that they're still alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course the expert comes in later, but in almost every one of these instances, land nav, um, played a huge part. And probably if they would have had some land nav skills, they probably would even have been in this situation in the first place. Exactly. If you, you know, doing search and rescue, I did it for the state of North Carolina and then for Washington State. You know, you're looking for a lost hiker. You don't. You know, the the adage of you heard, I heard it so many times. You know, follow the water; it'll lead you down. No, heck with that. Why are you getting yourself way down in that thicket? Get up on top of the ridge line where someone can see you up there. So you're right, exactly. You know, sometimes lost individuals are out there way longer than they really need to be. And then especially uh, Air Force pilots, I always told them, you know what, if somebody is not making contact with you, it's probably your fault because you're not doing what you should be doing. You're not signaling. You're not getting to an area that's conducive for you to get recovered. You know, you're hindering this, you know, recovery so, yeah, I'd say land nav is, is a big thing. But it's like yeah. everything else. It's not important until it becomes important. Yeah. That's right. Nice. Anything else you're working on, Chris, that, uh, besides uh, your air-cooled Volkswagen and uh, a lot of the other yeah. projects? I mean, we know you stay busy, but <laughs> yeah. um, any ideas about maybe, you know, have you gotten the author bug? Is there something else that you want to write about maybe in the future? I don't know. Paul and I were just talking about doing a, a FID uh, you know, maybe uh, lessons learned or something like that. You know, uh, and I've actually had, you know, SF guys come up to me and ask me, how did you palletize? Yeah. What did you take? Yeah. You know? What and, were J sets like exactly, back in yeah. uh, the 80s and 90s and third group? Yeah. Because there's not a lot of J set experienced no. guys. No. So it, that's kind of important these days. Yeah. And, we, yeah. you know, we joked about it. My son's in the service too, you know, and I tell him, you know, we had a kind of a, a set standard. If you were anything under 90 days, it was three pallets. And that's what you got. If you're over 90 days, you got four pallets. Yeah, see, you a know. lot of those things have been forgotten. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it was the, what, the never-ending Afghanistan war that really yeah. just, a lot of the stuff that we took for granted. Yeah, exactly. You know. Um, you know Hopping pops. Yeah, you know? they, just, yeah. they just didn't have, I mean... Afghanistan was yeah. just sucking all the air out of the room. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, and I think that's all uh, lost, lost cause. Yeah. You know, stuff. You, and, and again, it's, you know, current soldiers are good at what they're, what they were doing, which was Afghanistan yeah. and Iraq, you know, for, yeah. for 20 years. But now we're turning it around and going back to doing FIDs and, yep. you know, our generation is, is gone basically, you know, and if we're not helping out the current generation, I think we're messing that up. So, you know, doing fit. I'll, I'll work with Paul on that. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about those things. And uh, it's exciting. I think. I think, Chris. I think you have a wealth of uh, knowledge out there uh, for uh, a new generation, uh, and a lot of guys that have actually been in SF. I think for a good while that have never done J sets. So I think there's a lot yeah. out there. They are different kind animals. Kind of pass the torch, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Yeah. J sets are a different animal. Yeah. And uh, and you find yourself on a J set. Like one time I found myself raising pigs. Well, that, that definitely wasn't in the, you know, the POI, but it, it became important yeah. because the simple fact is, is that we were supposed to train offensive operations 
and they couldn't because they couldn't feed themselves. So, yeah. you know, we had to d- design a MRE for them, you know. So you better be ready. You better be a professional to start with when you get on a FID because you may find yourself doing something totally different than what you actually found yourself yeah. there. Well, they used to always say that. I mean, I remember it's like, you know, you know, yeah, I was I was a medic, so I spent about a year and a half in the Q course. But it's amazing, uh, even if you spend six to eight months in the Q course, it really doesn't matter. You could spend five years in the Q course, and as soon as you come out of the Q course and 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 arrive to your ODA, you're going to find out everything that you don't know. I mean, oh, yeah. they really have not taught you anything that you really need to know in the Q course. I mean, it's, it's almost like we're going to lay the foundation for you, and you'll learn everything you need to know once you get to the team. Oh, yeah. You're like Rambo in the shower. You know, you, you walk on your team, and next thing you know, you're getting fire hosed, you know, with stuff. But, you know, maybe that's the better way to learn it, you know, so – the people that have been there before can show you what you need to know. I mean, and again, how long did it take you being on an ODA until you were confident that you knew what you should be knowing to when you went on a J set, you could do the things just to get yourself deployed. You know, it took me three or four years yeah, to I think be able I, to I was know say, that. I was going to say yeah. three years probably. Yeah. yeah. You know, and there's so many implied tasks, you yeah. know, the, the engineer, He's the S4, you know, the Bravo yeah. is the S3 and the assistant S1. What the hell do I know about, you know, S1 duties? But you better know it because why? You may go down range and next thing you know, you're showing an African nation how to do S1 things. Yeah. yeah. Chris, if you don't mind, maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick your ear a little bit just about MARSOC. And, and uh, you know, you've had a chance to help that community out with uh, – you know, the recruiting part and their pipeline. And uh, how are those guys doing, man? What, what, what's your observations of those guys? I think they're, I don't think they're any different than what SF is doing. You know, you, the generation is the generation. And, you know, just because you joined the Marine Corps, you're not any different than a soldier, you know, kind of thing. But I think they're struggling with the same things that SF is struggling with. Um, taking a recruit that, may not be comfortable out in the woods and, and trying to get him to be a professional. So um, they're struggling with those same things. Though their selection looks a lot like SF selection, uh, and for good reason. They you know copied a lot of it. They, they still got the Marine Corps spin on it. But uh, they're still, you know, fighting that battle every day and uh, trying to do it. But again, it's you know, their, their tasks are a little different than an SF soldier's tasks. And I think if everybody stays in their lane, I think they'll come out better for it. But, you know, the problem is, is everybody wants to be in someone else's lane. And uh, so that's, a you know, I think there's the big struggle there. But same struggles. Yeah, trying to find their little niche. I mean, uh, exactly. you know, SF's niche, uh, for the, you know, I, I guess I would suppose historically has always been UW. Um, so I think Marsoc is probably doing that, trying to find whatever their their niche is going to be. Well, you know, they also have that uh, stigma, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine, every Marine's a rifleman, you know, all that. And, uh, you know, so their leadership sometimes misses the boat yeah. on using their skill that Marsoc brings to the table because they think, you know, an infantryman can do that. And, you know, they, the, the Army struggles with that, too, you know. Everyone's got to be, you know, somebody. Um, but yeah, they don't have the history like SF does, um, and it, it's a shame because sometimes they miss opportunities you know, for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, anything else that you uh, current events? I think what you know. Anything you want to comment on, Chris? While we while we uh, have you here and able to take advantage of you. I mean, it's a crazy it's a crazy yeah. time right now. Are you glad you're retired? Um, yeah, yeah, actually I am. Um, it's, uh, but you know what, uh, you always got to keep the good fight, you know, you got to stay in it, you know, keep your ears out and, uh, you know, when someone asks, Hey, can you teach such and such? Yeah. Uh, You know, I would always want to help the force and, uh, you know, you can always learn something from somebody. I can learn something from a private and a private can learn something from me. So yeah, it's funny you were talking about the you know the Marines and uh, the Marsoc and SF and you know all these 
these these kids really being the same, and they are. I mean, let's let's face it. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a Navy SEAL or or whatever. The, you know, they're still recruiting from the same pool exactly. of Americans. You know the you know the high school you know jock whatever. Um, and so you know the American fighting warrior. You know the, the, these young men. Um, you know are are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter what branch they go into or what they end up doing. Uh, some of the some of the greatest warriors I've seen haven't even been in soft. I mean, they just been like doing some kind of weird job, and you're looking yeah. at them, yeah. you're looking at them like, dude, how did you get over here? You know, but yeah, um, but incredible soldiers or sailors or whatever, um, just fine young men and women. Um, so, I mean, do, are you optimistic of uh, these young generations coming up? I mean, I think they have some challenges that we didn't have. Yeah, they, I think they, uh, but I do believe they're the same DNA, the same red-blooded freaking, you know, freedom fighters that we were when we were yeah, young. They want to learn. And I think really what it comes down to is who's your NCO? I, I think that's yeah. what I think that's what is the difference between, you know, a professional. But you could be a professional in the 82nd. You could be a professional in a rifle company in the Marine Corps. I think what it really comes down to is who is your leader? And, and did he... Take the time to show you what you needed to know. Like I grew up, um, you know, Major Howard was one of my commanders. I mean, that guy's hard as woodpecker lips. You know, and so, but when he when he's gone, he's gone. And, and who carries the torch? It's the people that he taught. They carry that torch. And if you know, if your leaders are not doing what they should be doing, NCO time and you know, pulling you off to the side and telling you, hey, you jacked that up. I'm going to correct that. Yeah. You know, I'm not <laughs> harassing you. I'm correcting this problem. It's going to make you a strong NCO. And, and, and I think that's the, the big difference in any organization is who's your NCO? Is your NCO good? Did he show you what you needed to know to be an NCO? Because ultimately you're going to become an NCO. Yeah. And if you're not a good NCO... I think you're missing the mark on, on that one. And I say that in the book. I mean, if you can't yeah. tell that I was a senior NCO in the book, you know, I mean, I'm, I've had officers tell me, man, you, you don't like officers. No, I, it's not I don't like officers. I'm, I'm just an NCO at, at heart on this one. Chris, so. if you would have been an officer, you wouldn't have had a best-selling land nav book. No, okay. I don't think so either. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, Chris, thanks for bringing it back to uh, the Guardians of the Republic, mm-hmm. the NCO Corps. And uh, so I think your book is also sounds a clarion call for the NCOs to get back uh, to those tried and true old basic skills and then uh, to shake those out. Also, I think your book gives us, uh, pun intended, a compass heading uh, for everybody to, to look back at those skills. Now that, uh, you know, we don't we, we always say we fight the last war. Yeah. Well, I think uh, maybe the next war could be different. It's, yeah, I think it is going to be different. I don't think it's going to be, you know. It's going to be totally different if they're looking in China and those kind of things. Yeah. It's it's going to look different, you know. And uh, so. so those basic skills uh, are what we're going to need. Yeah, that's what that is what how we won the wars mm-hmm. that America has, not the high tech stuff, just the red blooded Americans with the basic skills. And I think so. I think that's the difference between us and the Soviets in the war you know, Warsaw Pacts is I that agree. you know that private knows how to do. NCO things he he's trusted yeah. to do, um, so he's not a conscript. So again, yeah. I think it comes back down to that NCO. Yeah, awesome man. Well, uh, Chris, I mean, it's been a great hour you spent with us today. You know, Mike and I. Uh, it's it's great. I think you have a lot to offer than just that. Uh, and it and for those that uh, forgot uh, as we were talking, uh, the book is called Land Navigation from Start to Finish. Uh, by Chris Imperial, uh, a veteran warrior of 3rd Special Forces and the 82nd Airborne. So it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today, Chris. Uh, thanks for your service, uh, for your loyal and patriotic service to our country. And uh, thanks for writing this book. And it's easy to find because for as far as land nav books go, it's got the sexiest cover going. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're definitely corner yeah. the market on that. I agree. And I appreciate it. And then, uh, you know, Viva La Pine Land. That's Viva it. La Pine Viva Land. La Pine Land.
Welcome to 